Good morning, Imaginations Church. My name is Josh. I'm Belinda. We are so happy to be with you again this morning over a live stream. Um, you're probably in your pajamas on your couch. Maybe you're dressed by now. If you are, well done. But we are here in Penrith and we love this church. This church is family to us. Your heart for the world, your heart for each other and your community is an encouragement to us and it truly inspires us. This morning we're going to share with you from God's word and the passage that we'll be speaking from this morning is an incredibly rich passage of scripture. What I mean by that is that there is so much to be learnt from it. In the time that we have we can't possibly go in depth and pull out every truth that God is sharing but one thing we would like to do is to share a couple of revelations and thoughts that we've had from these scriptures that have guided our journey in Lesotho over the last eight years. And it comes from Matthew chapter 25, and we'll be starting in verse 14 this morning. So Matthew 25 verse 14 begins. It's Jesus speaking in parables, teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest that money and he earned five more. Excuse me. We'll keep it going. I've got it here on the, on the phone. Well prepared. So also the one with two bags of gold, he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled his accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold and see, I have gained two more. And his master replied the same, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many more. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received just one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown 
and I gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. When I first arrived on the streets of Lesotho, I saw a group of children that can only be described as people from whom nothing can be expected. That perspective probably dominated my thinking for the first couple of months. Because to be honest, what I saw looked all too violent and dirty and hopeless. But it was this scripture that served as a revelation to my heart. Because Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus reveals to us the centrality of the poor to the kingdom of God. I had approached these children in my heart as zero talent people. But what in fact I was witnessing was children whose visible talents looked smaller than others. But they were not zero talent people. They were people in whom God had imparted ability and from whom God was expecting fruit. You see, God is fully aware of the abilities he has invested in us. He even acknowledges that my ability may be more than the next person and less than another. But he has given each one of us a role in the kingdom of heaven that aligns with the abilities inside of us. Yes, us and even the poor. And he will return at an unknown hour and he will look for his fruit. So my calling in life was to bear fruit myself and to search for those abilities inside every single poor person that I encountered so that they may also find their calling. The core of our programming in Lesotho is not what we give to the poor. It is what we bring out of them. We built into all of our programs a principle of faithfulness with what we have. And since children come to our programs with no material things, faithfulness looks like giving of themselves. It looks like giving smiles and saying thank you and showing up on time and being kind. Very often now, having been with us for some years, children begin to express faithfulness in their everyday. When a new child arrives on the streets in Lesotho, now it's often not us who notices them, but a child who used to be on the street. And they bring those children to us, giving of themselves. Now, if I can put up a photo, it is often the older children in our school who take it upon themselves to guide the new ones, showing them how to do it, teaching them the standard. It is when I'm sitting on the streets with a bunch of children who everyone thinks 
are thieves. And a truck come past to deliver some rotten food leftovers to them. And the first thing they want to do is share it with me. Nobody has nothing. One talent is not nothing. Personal healing begins when you realise you have something to give. And often it's that one child who learns to give of themselves that begins an entire process of healing in a family. You see, it is not a measure of talent that our God is seeking. Only our faithfulness with it. That's beautiful. And you should see the way that our children and families are faithful because they realize God has made me for a purpose. I have something to do on the earth. Yes, I receive, but I also contribute. God places value on the poor. And it's our joy to see people's purposes come alive, isn't it? Um, when we are you know, with people that think that their life is over and when they discover that they have a purpose, everything changes for them. Um, we believe this so much that we named our organisation Sapir, which means purpose in the Sasutu language. God has a purpose for everyone, including the poor. So we're in this passage of scripture in Matthew 25, where Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of God. Uh, in fact, he starts teaching on it back in Matthew 24 as well. And at the moment, he's in parable form, right? He's teaching in stories. So before the parable of the talents, he's talking about the bridesmaids. There were 10 bridesmaids. Five were ready, five were not ready. Then he goes on to the parable that we just read. Two were approved of and one was not. These were stories, everyday stories, that the people listening were completely familiar with at the time. They knew the uh, procedures around weddings, what was expected. The idea of a master going away and entrusting servants with money was a very familiar circumstance, one that people go, oh yeah, no, no, th this makes sense. And the thing that would have stood out to them is imagine being a bridesmaid that wasn't ready at the time when it mattered most. Imagine that, that's unthinkable. And then the story of the talents. Imagine at the time when it counted most being the servant that had nothing to show, that had nothing to present to the master. These were parables. But then Jesus switches in what we're about to read. And this whole passage of scripture is a plea from Jesus. Be ready. The kingdom is coming. I want you to be ready. So we're going to read together. If you have your Bible or your phone with you, you can read along. And I'm reading from Matthew 25, picking it up in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply to them, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This is a heavy scripture. And as I mentioned at the beginning, we can't go into the full depth of everything that's contained in here. It is talking about the final judgment. And what I will say, this is one of the judgments that we will face. One of those has to do with how we respond to Jesus as our saviour. But we're not talking about that today. I want to highlight one thing in particular that has guided our journey. You remember in the parables, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Oh, it's like this. It's like that. Now, this is the illustration I will use. But this story, as I mentioned, is not a parable. He switches. This is a foretelling of what will happen. He says, the son of man will sit on his throne and he's coming as a king and he's coming as a judge. In this story, Jesus is the king. Jesus is the judge. And this is a continuation of all of his talking. I know in your Bible there might be a little title there, but Jesus was telling this all as one. This is the very end of everything he was leading up to. It was a preparation, so we understood this truth. And the way he has done it is that the story is the same in parts, but then there are some differences. And I believe it's the differences between this story and the parable of the talents that Jesus wants us to get in what he's saying here. It's the difference that stands out. There are some things in this story that are very similar or the same to the parable of the talents. So, like the master in the parable of the talents, Jesus will go away, Jesus went away, and he will come back. But he will come back as king, and he will judge the nations. That part of the story is the same. A master going away and coming back. The other thing that's the same, the servants were entrusted with something. They were entrusted to represent the master in his affairs, on his estate. And in the same way, we as believers have been entrusted to represent Jesus on the earth and to produce a return for him when he comes. That's the same. But let me talk about one difference. 
The master in the parable of the talents was looking for a prophet, a monetary prophet. We know that because the, um, the servant said, I know you're a hard man. But Jesus is not a harsh or a hard man. Jesus is a kind and loving and gracious king. That was an earthly master looking for an earthly return. When Jesus comes back, he's not looking for how much money is left in our bank account. That is not the measure that God is looking for. Jesus is looking for a different fruit. And it's service to the hungry, the sick and imprisoned. That's the fruit he is looking for. I believe it's a life inclined towards the poor and the afflicted. That's the fruit he is looking for. And Jesus is making this so clear to us. His language is so direct and even confronting. But he is clear. It's like you know, being in high school or school and the teacher says, hey, there's going to be a test tomorrow. What's the first thing that happens? What's in the test? Sir, what's in the test? Right? And they say, well, whatever was in the book is what's in the test. But this is different. Jesus answers the question, what's in the test? He's telling us because he wants us to be ready. This is not a mystery. He's saying, I'm coming back and I want you to be ready. This is exactly what I'm looking for from my people. Jesus associates with the poor and the afflicted. So much so that judgment at the end of the world is going to be connected to how the poor and the afflicted are treated. And so much so that he treats any action towards the poor or a neglect of the poor as, tre- as treatment towards himself. That's how connected he is to the poor in this world. To bless the poor is to bless Jesus. To neglect the poor is to neglect Jesus. Sit on that for a minute. To neglect the poor is to neglect Jesus. Now, I can't imagine any of you watching that would say, gee, I want to neglect Jesus. But look how clear he has made it in scripture, what it means to bless him. It's to associate with the poor as he did. See, when the master left his servants with money, he was leaving them to represent him, to act as he would act with that money. Jesus has left us as his servants and representatives on the earth and he expects us to act as if he would act on the earth. And we have such clear model in scripture how Jesus how Jesus treated people how he uh, responded to the to the outcast and the afflicted and to be honest he was mocked for it anyone of status or any importance would not associate with the people that Jesus associated with and and he was accused you know he hangs around these people and he actually likes them <laughs> that's who our God is and he expects the same of us But the truth is, when Jesus came to earth the first time, he associated with this lifestyle. You see, when he fasted for 40 days, he was hungry. He knows what it is to be hungry. When he hung on the cross, he was thirsty, and he cried out for being thirsty. He was a stranger on this earth and chased out of town, saying, you don't belong here, get out of here. He bore our sickness on the cross. He hung naked on the cross. He was arrested and treated as a criminal. He knows what it is to live like this. 
Jesus came to the earth and suffered and associated with those who suffer. Church, can we do the same? Can we do the same? The profitable master wanted profitable servants. Our loving king wants loving servants. Jesus came to associate with us at our worst, at humanity's worst, so that one day we can associate with him in his glory. What a precious thing. This is the gospel truth, that Jesus would come and have the human experience of suffering and rejection and poverty, experiencing everything that we experience so that one day we can experience the glory of heaven in his kingdom that he spoke about so much. So I want to encourage you as we encourage ourselves as we are challenged by this scripture to incline your life towards the poor, to those who are on the outside. Now, you might say, do you know, I don't really know anyone like that. I want to encourage you gently and with the greatest respect. Maybe you need to get some new friends. Are we trying to be upwardly mobile in life? and impressing those who are above us? Or do we need to get some new friends? (laughs) Life's going to get messy. But I tell you, there is treasure in associating with the poor, in liking the poor. This is not about putting on a T-shirt on a Saturday, going out, doing your service, coming back, washing your hands and saying, look, that was done. It's finding comfort in associating with and loving the poor. What does this look like? For us, one thing we have discovered is not to to serve them as outsiders, as Belinda said. Well, you're over there, I'm going to give you something. But what we do, we actually include. Say, hey, you belong. At Sapeo, we are all about this. We are all about people finding belonging. There are a hundred stories or more, thousands we could tell. But I'm going to show a short video in just a minute of something that happened early this year. Um, At the beginning of the year, we always go and do a very thorough sweep of the streets to find if anyone there has arrived newly so that we can help get them back. And you're just going to hear from Mabatu, one of our senior leaders at Sapeo, as she had just encountered a child a couple of days earlier and was on her journey to including him again. Can we switch to that video? Right now, I'm in the community at Mudimbosa where I came to meet the family of a child that I met uh, in town as I was doing the strategic intervention after we got our approval to continue with our um, operations. I have just met the family and they are happy to receive the child. This is good news because one child has been saved from the street back into a family. How wonderful is that? Now that's just one story of someone finding inclusion. Someone serving the Lord by inclining her life towards the poor. Someone who was shut out. And I say, no, no, come in. I wonder, as you do your Bible studies this week, if you can find ways and discuss ways to further incline your life towards the poor, not just around the world, but around the corner, in your everyday world, that we would heed the call of Jesus to be ready. Will you be ready? This, this is tough scripture we've dealt with today. And it is confronting. 
that it is a plea of a kind and merciful and loving God to say, be ready. There is a glorious kingdom awaiting. Be ready. Love my people. Serve my people. Associate with them as I did. Because you're my servant and you represent me on the earth. Let's pray together. Our wonderful Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and your scripture. Thank you that you have not made it a mystery what you're looking for. We thank you that you have given us the beautiful gift of your Holy Spirit to guide us. And Lord, from today and this week, I ask that you will open our eyes to those around us who need your intervention and your love. I ask you, Lord, that you would show us what we can do to serve. Lord, it might be as simple as giving a meal or a drink that you count so holy and significant. Let's not miss these precious moments to represent you on the earth and give you the harvest that you are looking for. We join together and we commit to helping each other on this journey that we might be ready. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.